We love it when uh, we love it when the pointy end of of justice is directed at someone else, don't we? Uh, while at the same time we love mercy and grace to come to to us. You you and I we love it when people get what they deserve. Others, not us. For for you and for me, we we love forgiveness for ourselves. I once unknowingly drove around for a while with an expired license and was pulled over by the police. And in that conversation with the officer, what was I after? Mercy or justice? Mercy, of course. Like, don't, don't you understand there's these reasons and I didn't see this and, uh, and I, want, I want mercy. But as I... As I'm flying down the, the Hume Highway and I see uh, uh, someone else pulled over by the police and I, I look by and I think, I wonder what they were doing. Or especially if they've overtaken me 10 minutes beforehand, I'm not there thinking, oh, gee, I hope they get mercy. No, I'm like, yes, justice. I love justice for other people. What about when it comes to the things of God. Do you and I actually desire mercy and forgiveness for ourselves while wanting others just to get what they deserve? Do you and I want to experience the forgiveness, the rescue of of God while actually looking at other people and kind of wanting them to miss out. We want want them to be punished for what they've done. This morning we, we see that tension or that tendency really on display in the life um, of, of Jonah here. We see this desire for mercy for ourselves and punishment for others in the um, last two chapters of Jonah. So that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna look at. Two two chapters, chapters three and four. And we know that, that that attitude is is hypocritical, don't we? Wanting something for ourselves but not for others. Uh, but this morning I wanna share with you three reasons uh, that we should actually desire for others to receive mercy and forgiveness if it's something that we desire for ourselves. So since we desire mercy and grace for ourselves, we must desire it for others as well. Firstly, um, we must desire it for others because it's part of God's call. Have a look um, from verse 1 of chapter 3 in Jonah there. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. This is uh, post-fish vomit. That's where, we're, that's where we are. We're post-fish vomit. Um, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. So it's already come 
And we saw last week, Jonah ran from the call that God had placed on him. He disobeyed. And now, in almost the exact words that we've heard before, the Lord says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So we're back to square one. Back to square one. It's, we've hit the restart button. Jonah is back to square one. He's got this second chance, this next opportunity, this time to obey. Will he or won't he? Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So he obeys this time. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So we see that it's part of God's call for his people to proclaim. He calls Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh, a, a city of, of enemies. These guys had oppressed the Israelites, enemies of Jonah's people and enemies of God. And yet he's called to proclaim a message. And this call to proclaim is a, is a demonstration of obedience when Jonah takes it up. He goes into enemy territory, as it were, this time displaying obedience to the Lord. He goes in obedience this time. And it's a demonstration not just of obedience, but it's a demonstration of God's power. Because at a surface level, this it's, it seems like perhaps the 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 worst sermon ever, ever preached. <laughs> um, it's, it's just one short message of in 40 days, your city will be overthrown. And, and that's it. And that simplicity of that message, it's not, it's not clever or anything. Um, it actually breaks the Ninevites' hearts. It's, it's this message that comes to them that actually turns them away from their sin. 
And the Ninevites believed God, verse 5. They don sackcloth, they, they fast, the king sits down in the dust. Great displays, outward displays of, of mourning, of brokenness, of repentance. A proclamation is issued. The greatest to the least turn from their sin. And that message that Jonah proclaimed was just so small and simple. And you think on a, on a human level, like how could that ever do anything to, to a city that was famed for its wickedness? In chapter 1, we see that the wickedness of the city pops up before the Lord. But it's because this proclamation... It's resting on the power of God. It's a demonstration of God's power, not Jonah's power. The people believed God. And the message that Jonah brings isn't his own message. Jonah doesn't hop up on his soapbox or come with his own finely crafted message, but simply presents what the Lord has given him. A message from the Lord to the people. And it's the Lord who does the work. And God calls Jonah and his people to proclaim. It's, it's a reminder of um, God's purposes of his people being a light to the nations. All through scripture, we see this theme of uh, God's desire, his plan for his people to not just be there for themselves, but to be a blessing to, to the nations to go to the nations, to be a light to the nations that others would know God, the God of Israel and his fame. So this desire for us to experience mercy and forgiveness ourselves, it must play out in the way that we proclaim this message um, to others because it's true that we that we speak about what we deep down believe is important this week if i kept a tally i didn't but if i did keep a tally of the topic of conversation that i've held with the people around me the people that i've come in contact with this week um, by far the two most talked about things were um, that poor soccer team um, in need of rescue in Thailand and the ban on plastic bags. Those are the two, those are the two things uh, because we talk about what we believe is important, don't we? The, the need for rescue or the environment. We, we, you and I, what we have on, on our lips, like Jesus says that it's um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like the, I'm not dismissing those things as unimportant by any means but um, where in in your life is uh, the the news of God God God's news where where is it that that you during your week if 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 our if we really believe that what we have in in scripture is is news from the Lord, like who do we speak it to? 
If, we really be- if I really believe that, that in, in here it contains the word of, of the Lord and it's, it's news to be proclaimed, do I speak it out? I wonder if this week you and I could actually take some time to ask the Lord who our Nineveh is. Lord, who's my Nineveh? Who is the person or the people that I believe are just so far from you, like so hard-hearted that they, they would never turn, they'd never repent? When in actual fact, it's our job to display obedience and faithfulness and the results are up to the Lord. Um, It's up to us to believe and to proclaim the news of the Lord because we speak about what's important. So we're to desire others to experience mercy and forgiveness if we've experienced it ourselves because it's part of the Lord's call on us to be proclaimers. But secondly, uh, it's part of God's character, his very character, that, that he would desire others to know what it is to be forgiven. It's part of his character to know that people would know what it is to experience grace. From verse 10, so the the city has repented. And we read, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So the people repented and God relented. He didn't bring the destruction that he'd threatened. He saw that they had turned from their evil ways. And we think, wow, well, Jonah is a a prophet from the Lord. I wonder if um, he, he knew God. I wonder how overjoyed Jonah was at this news that this city that seemed so far away from the Lord and a city that was so hard-hearted and wicked that they would repent. What was, what was Jonah's attitude? It's different to that in actual fact. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. So how did Jonah know that the Lord had decided to not bring punishment upon Nineveh. Day 40 came and nothing happened. So Jonah waited a month and a half for destruction to befall his enemies, for punishment to fall upon the Ninevites and the sun on that Tuesday morning or whatever it was, just rose again, spent the day waiting, and nothing happened. And to Jonah, this seems very wrong. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? 
That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? So here we discover the the reason for Jonah, um, his disobedience in in chapter 1. Why did Jonah um, hear the word of the Lord? The word of the Lord came to him and why did he run the opposite way? It's because he knew what God is like, that God is compassionate, that he's gracious, that there would be a chance that if he spoke this message to the Ninevites, that maybe they would repent and the Lord would show them grace. And Jonah couldn't handle it. In effect, he says, I would rather die than serve a God who would show grace to my enemies and to his enemies. And that's why I ran away. Take my life, Lord. And yet at the same time, like we um, heard in his prayer that was read for us. He still says salvation comes from the Lord. (laughs) He accepts it for himself, but doesn't want that for the others. Doesn't want that for those people. It was knowing God's character how steadfast in his love, how he doesn't desire that anyone would would perish, that actually drove Jonah away. Because justice is a part of God's character. God is a God of justice. That that punishment that was threatened Nineveh was, was real. That, that was coming for them. And God was well with, within his rights to destroy his enemies. But our God is also a God of generosity, not only of justice. And it was the generosity of God, the possibility that God could show grace that drove Jonah away. So God loves the world and again calls his people to be a light that nations would know him. And it seems like Jonah obeyed the Lord by presenting the message, eventually. But his heart wasn't right before the Lord because he didn't love the people that he was giving the message to. He had the right words, but not the right heart. I previously worked a job and, um, and also I've been involved with a para-church ministry in which there was similar rules um, when it came, came to uniform and that was if you were in public, wear something over the top. Um, so I think, so you don't get recognised as somebody who's a part of this thing just in case your actions don't match up to the values of the organisation. 
What's, what's happening there? Uh, a, a fear that the, the actions that we have don't match up to what we're called to represent. And you and I, we're called not just to be presenters of a message, the news of God to the world, but we're, we're called to actually not cover up the one whom we represent. We're, we're called to display the, the character of God. You see, Jonah knew the Lord, knew what he was like, but decided not to represent God's heart for those people. You and I, if we know God, we're called to follow him in the way that we live in the world. We're called to represent him well, to match our life and attitude to the God that we serve. Do you know what a a flashback is? Like in a movie and TV show, you know, the flashback where the viewer is transported back in time and you receive um, background information on a situation or character and you're like, oh, that's why he's like that or that's why that happened. Uh, One of my favourite movies is Forrest Gump and that whole movie is just flashback after flashback, really. Um, But what we we have um, before us um, from verse 5 to the end of the chapter in in Jonah, in chapter 4 there, um, is what what the commentators believe is actually a, a flashback. What, what happened in those 40 days, that just about a month and a half, that Jonah was waiting the punishment of the Lord to befall Nineveh? How did Jonah spend his time? What was going on with him? This is what we see. Jonah had gone out, and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered, When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. So that's how Jonah spent those 40 days. Like he, he put in work, like he's found a nice um, viewing platform um, outside of the city. So he made sure that he's got a good view of the destruction of the city. He even takes the time to construct some sort of shelter, like a grandstand where he rubs his hands together and thinks, oh boy, justice is coming upon these people. 
and day 40 comes and nothing happens. But while he was waiting, the Lord taught him a powerful lesson. He, the Lord, appointed a, a plant, like how he appointed the, the fish last week in chapter 1. Here the Lord appoints a plant that grows up miraculously over Jonah's head and provides him shade. And it eases his discomfort. What mercy. And Jonah's very happy to receive that mercy. But then the next day the Lord appoints a worm that destroys the plant. And on top of that, a scorching east wind. Jonah, all sunburnt and hot, feels faint and says, I want to die. He's angry. He's furious. He says, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. The Lord says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? You didn't make it grow. You didn't tend it. Here's this plant that you're essentially in mourning for. Your, your concern is about this plant. Now, shouldn't I have concern for the people of Nineveh? So that's our third reason that we should desire mercy to reach others and not just ourselves. It's part of God's concern that others would know his mercy and grace. The Lord says, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their left from their right? There's a city out there, Jonah, full of people. They're people. You're in mourning over a plant that you didn't do anything to deserve, that I appointed. You're in mourning for that. That's your concern. Shouldn't I have concern for this city of 120,000 people that are in spiritual darkness? And that's the end of the book of Jonah. Just leaves it, just leaves it hanging there. A question for us to ponder. If salvation is from the Lord, isn't it right for him to extend grace and mercy to to those that he decides to extend grace and mercy? Should we not be surprised when those who seem so far away actually do turn in repentance? Because it seems like what we see here is God has a concern, a care for those who might even be our enemies. Those who, who hate us. Maybe those whom we hate. Maybe those whom we dislike. The Lord even has a concern and a care for them. That his power and, and his character would be displayed when even people like the Ninevites would turn to him. And God doesn't only have a concern for, for our enemies but he's concerned for those who are 
his own enemies. Remember, the Ninevites were opposed to God's people and had oppressed them. They were enemies of God, and yet the God of Israel does a work in them in bringing them to repentance. And he has a word for them. Shouldn't I be concerned for this people who are even my enemies? Salvation is from the Lord. So Jonah was building that booth. You can almost like taste the, um, the pleasure that he was taking in the downfall of those people. It makes me think of, of you and I. Where, where are we when we're looking upon the failings and the downfall of others? Do we essentially build a booth and grandstand it over people? Do we take joy and pleasure at others getting what's coming to them, like Jonah? Or, or do we show compassion like our Heavenly Father? Do we, do we decide to actually pray for our enemies? Do we decide to, to pray for those who have fallen instead of lording it over them smugly? Because in Jesus' case, the, the perfect prophet, not the broken, like, not-so-great prophet Jonah, but in Jesus' the perfect messenger from God. In his case, he didn't wait outside the the gates of the city, as it were. All of humanity has been marked by sin, and naturally we're opposed to God. And Jesus didn't wait outside our gates, taking pleasure in the coming punishment or destruction. But instead, he chose to enter our world. He decided in his grace and compassion to enter into our brokenness. And even more than that, he actually took the punishment that we deserve. So in this case that we see in Jonah, the Lord withholds his punishment upon the Ninevites. But when we get to our New Testament, we see that The Lord didn't do that for his own son. He didn't withhold the punishment that time when it came to Jesus. He did that for you and for me. The punishment of the world's wickedness, Jesus took in going to the cross and dying. And so you you and I were we're to take up the call to be messengers of news, um, not just one of bad news and, and repentance, but we're called to take up the message that, that Jesus had. Jesus came with the message of repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. The good news of what? The good news of what God has done in Christ And we're to take up that message and proclaim it because we've had that life-changing message come to us. You and I know what it is 
to have trusted in the Lord and to receive grace and mercy. So we're to desire that for others in the way that we speak it out. We should feel a burden kind of lift when we read that Jonah's message was so simple and doesn't look impressive at all. Um, but people repented because it was, the God's, it was God's work. The results are up to the Lord. Our job is faithfulness with the message. And you and I are to take up the call of displaying God's character to the world around us because we know who it is that we represent. We know what God is like and where to show him off. And we're, take, we're to take up the call to concern ourselves with the lost. Those who don't know their right from their left. Those who are in spiritual darkness. Maybe especially those who are different from us or who are considered our enemies. Because we know that once we were enemies of God, ourselves, and yet Christ died for us. So we love mercy for ourselves. So the question that I leave you with this morning is, will you ask God to grow your desire to see others experience the same? Will you ask God to grow you in your love for others? That we would love God's justice, knowing that it's up to him, but we would love his generosity, um, not just to experience our, it ourselves, but to see others experience it as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you that you are a God who saves. We thank you that you are the God um, to whom salvation belongs, that it doesn't rest on our shoulders. And we thank you that, Lord, before you, we're, we're all equal. Naturally, Lord, we were enemies. And yet you came and saved. And so, Lord, would you forgive us um, for being selfish um, with your mercy and grace, being satisfied of um, experiencing rescue ourselves while not um, desiring it to see it play out in the lives of others around us. Lord, would you forgive me for the times that I've taken pleasure in witnessing the downfall of others? And so, Lord, would you do a softening work in our hearts, Lord, that we would have lives that more accurately reflect um, your heart, your character, your concern for the lost. And even this week, Lord, would you um, so have our hearts captured by the, the, um, the urgency of salvation, the, the urgency that there is in, um, in knowing that one day we'll be called to account everyone. Lord, um, would you push us with the urgency of knowing that 
hell and punishment is is real, um, but also, Lord, that there is good news in Christ, that there's good news in your generosity, the grace and mercy that you willingly pour out. And so, Father, would you help us um, to speak that out, Lord, um, to have our hearts captured by that fact, um, yeah, that there's good news in Christ. And give us the boldness, Lord, to speak that out to others, the good news, the good news. So, Lord, we give you ourselves again as your people, um, asking would you grow us in the love for the lost, Amen.